Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We thank you for the opportunity and privilege to worship you and to be reminded, Father God, of what is true in our life. Father, we thank you. And we just ask now, Holy Spirit, we give space if you would like to speak, uh, say anything uh, directly to us by spirit, thought, scripture, word, sensation. Father, we just reverently take that time now just to listen and uh, to hear you. We have the microphones there. Reminded, the microphones are for a word from the Lord, specifically for the congregation. This morning, um, I woke up to this uh, thought here, so I wanted to share it with everybody. Uh, it's You need to find out who you are in Jesus so you can pray like it. Thank you, Mary. It uh, has not been a, a good week for me, but I am reminded of the God that we serve. We serve such a mighty God. We serve a holy God. We serve a God who answers by fire. We, we serve a God who takes care of our anxieties, which we shouldn't have in the first place if we're trusting him. We serve a God who is holy. We serve a God who loves his children. We serve a God who is with his children. We serve a God who heals his children. We serve, we serve a God who knows all about us, who has every hair on our head numbered. We serve a God who loves us with such an everlasting love. We serve a God of peace. We serve a God of holiness. We serve a God of righteousness. We serve a God that wants us to be righteous and wants us to be holy. Whether he heals us or not, and because I'm, I'm in a place where I need healing, but I trust God for healing every day. And those of you who need healing, trust God every day and thank him for your healing. Because even though he doesn't heal us, if he doesn't, he is still with us. He is keeping us. We are not keeping ourselves. And we are God who knows every need that we have. He knows he, we serve a God who knows about the cares that we have. We serve a God who knows about the fears that we have that we shouldn't have, again, if we're trusting in him. So I just want to say that God is a mighty God and that we must worship him in spirit and in truth. And we must worship him with everything that is within us. We must give our lives and give, give our whole minds and everything to God so that his power and his anointing can fall upon his children. That when we lay hands on the sick, praise God, they will be healed. And, and that, Father God, we just want to worship you today and praise you, Father God, for who you are. And Lord, for, your, for the body of Christ. If you're sick in the name of Jesus, claim your healing in Jesus' name today. If you're down, lift, lift up the name of Jesus. Praise him for in the praise, God will lift up your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 The word I, the scripture I got this morning, fear not, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. All that rage against you shall be ashamed. Thank you, Lord. You're going to bring shame on our enemies. Mm. Amen. Do not be discouraged. Mm. Amen. 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 He who watches over you will neither slumber nor sleep. Beautiful. So God has spoken to us this morning. 
again, as he has for two years now. As we make space, God fills it. This is something that you're watching happen here, and it's applicable to your life also, that if you make a space, God will fill it. God will give you direction. He will give you indication, teaching. He will give you everything that you need if we make a space for him in our life, the same way we're doing it here this morning. Beautiful things said. First of all, Mary said who you are in talking about if you know who you are in Jesus, who you are in Christ, who you are in God, then you will pray like that. If you have a discouraged, lower opinion of yourself in Christ, that is the way you will pray. If you have an elevated understanding of who you are in Christ, that is how you will pray. And God is admonishing us this morning to get to know who we are in Christ so that we will pray properly. Roseanne then came and God gave a word to her explaining the kind of God that we are praying to, that we are in. Understand that Christ is in you. Who is Christ in? He's in the Father. They are one. Therefore, we are one with the Father. So as Roseanne is talking about the God that we are praying to and the type of God he is and he's holy and that he's with us and he's powerful and he's all the things that she said, that is an answer to the word that Mary gave about this is the way you should pray in agreement with who your God is, agreement in what he can do, the power of who he is. Bill came up and and qualified that also and brought it in. And talking about who God is and fear not that I am with you. I am with you and I will not slumber or sleep. That beautiful, beautiful uh, Psalm 121. And uh, Grace, that's a confirmation for me. Thank you. But this beautiful idea that God is with us. And we've got to understand something. Why does God keep saying this to us? Why does God keep every week saying this to us? Yes, that's exactly it, Heather. We don't believe it. Now, that is not an incriminating statement. Welcome to the human condition. Do you remember what you had for supper last night? Most of us do not. You must eat better than we do. I cannot, I know it was something in a pan. That's all I know. And it didn't kill me. So, but for most of us, we will forget. Uh, I guess I said, Tony, hold on to what you're getting. We'll, we can talk about it later. Um, but most of us will forget what it is that God says to us because the world comes in. I do not think that we are just repeating ourselves. I don't believe that anyone who got up to a microphone this morning just said, well, I think I'll just go up and say this because this is what I believe. I don't think that is the Spirit. I believe people are moved by the Spirit to come up and say something that God, again, wants you and I to understand because he knows the future. He knows what it is that we need to know so that you and I are going to walk out this door and we are going to be successful through this week. And so it's really important that we listen to what the Spirit is saying to us and understand that God is saying it for a reason because it is God's absolute, utmost, absolute purpose that you succeed. 
that you are a successful representation of him in the world today. That is God's ultimate goal. He has all kinds of different ways of doing that, of displaying himself through you. Sometimes he will display patience. Sometimes he will display wonderful genius. Sometimes success. Sometimes the persecution of going through fire, as we've heard so much this week about fire. And I think we, some of you may very well this week have walked through fire or felt like you were in fire or you have a sense that fire is coming or whatever it is. We're watching COVID blow up all around the country again, except here. So I don't think that's a coincidence. And I could, you know, I could think of a couple reasons why that is, but I'm not going to get into craziness. Just keep wearing the masks and keep social distancing and doing what we do. But nonetheless, there's a lot of people getting scared all over again. They're being traumatized all over again. Can't do this and can't do that. God is saying to us that start thinking the same way your God thinks. Start praying the same way God prays. Jesus is in heaven interceding for who? Us. So we better get in agreement with what he's praying. Because I guarantee you he's not praying for you to fail. He's not praying for you to be scared. He's not praying for you to be anything but strong under the trial. I was, uh, yesterday, uh, Mama Monica and I were talking, and she was, we were talking about, and she was bringing out the wonderful point that we serve God not because of what he's going to give us, not because he promises this and that and this and this, and therefore I will follow him. But we follow him because he is God. He is God. And this much he does certainly promise is that there is an eternity waiting for you and I. That's why Jesus died. He didn't die so you and I could have a Cadillac. He died so that you and I could have eternity. That's why he died. So we can't get mixed up on, on what it is and why it is we follow God. But it was interesting. Mama said, she said, there are people in Africa who pray eight at night until eight o'clock in the morning and their life doesn't change. It's hard. They struggle. And I, I went home and I was thinking about it and she wasn't complaining. We were just talking about how the Christian walk can be sometimes. And so I was home and around three o'clock this morning, mama, I was thinking about it. And what came to me is I said, God, what, 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 why, why are they not having the great victory and the great healings and the great, he said, what they are praying for is strength to go through the fire. And I went, yeah, how about that? That sometimes we're praying, we, we know what we want, we want it to, to be out of the struggle, we want to be out of the situation. But God is saying, your prayers are going to give you strength to go through the struggle and to survive in the struggle and to give testimony and Praise to me as you do it. That is not a very happy gospel in today's world because we are a consumer society. Jesus knew what happened when he fed the 4,000. He knew instantly. What did it instantly put into them? They followed him across the lake and he said, I know why you're here. You're here just because you think you want me to feed you. 
as soon as God blesses like that, something in our mind goes, okay, I'm going to get that again. And that's why I'm going to serve him. He gives me this. And he, God knows what happens when we get what we want. You know what happens when we get what we want? We want more of what we want. That's what happens. And God is not going to have a child that walks like that. Plus, you're working for a greater, a greater inheritance in Christ. I want to talk t- this morning about something. And it's dark times. I want to talk about dark times. And it dovetails perfectly with what we're going into here. 2 Corinthians 1, 8 to 11. This is Paul talking to the church in Corinth. This is a church that he uh, worked with and had quite a bit of, it's probably one of his, some of his most passionate writing is to the church in Corinth. He spent a lot of time there. And uh, what's interesting, and this will dovetail in with what I'm saying, he was scared when he went to Corinth. And God said something to him in the book of Acts. If you read it, it says, don't worry, Paul, you're safe here because I have many people in this city. Isn't that interesting? That the amount of Christians praying had something to do about Paul being safe. Remember that. But so here's Paul, and he had just, he had left them and gone over to Asia and had a bad experience in Asia, and this is what he tells them. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger. And he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him. And he will continue to rescue us. And you are helping us by praying for us. Then many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. Something really interesting about this because Paul starts with this statement. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble. First point, he's talking to brothers and sisters. The Jewish culture would just talk to the men. Jesus was way ahead on the curve on bringing equality between the the sexes, between male and female. If anyone tries to say that, you know, the Christian church is a, you know, male-dominated, you know, it's not. In its original design, it was equal. It's very interesting. Brothers and sisters. But... Why was it important for the church to know about their struggles? Why did Paul think it was important that they knew? It teaches us something because we do not learn so much in the good times as we do in the tough times. It's just the way it is. And if we want to grow and if we want to learn, and as much as I hate this and as much as I wish it was uh, a different situation, it isn't. The fact is, we grow in the rough times and the tough times. And we're not called, Paul is re-kind re of emphasizing the fact that the gospel is not a call to a pleasurable, easy life. It just isn't. In its, Jesus said it, he said, in this world you are going to have struggles, persecutions, trials. You're going to have them. And the Holy Spirit, you will have that. God never left us alone. 
But Paul wanted them to know about the true Christian experience. And as I thought about this message this week, and I thought, Father, you know, this church, um, we keep on getting these very uh, kind of uh, foreboding messages, like calling and reminding us, you know, you're with us, and the struggle, and the war, and, and these things. And I'm saying probably the single most important thing you can learn as a Christian is how to walk in what is out there. And what is out there is hostile to what is in here. Now, I'm not saying that to create some kind of pity party for us and to make those people who don't have faith to look like they're evil and bad. That's not what I'm saying. But we would have to be deaf, dumb, and blind not to realize that the enemy has created a culture out there that is extremely against what Jesus represents and stands for and wants us to represent and to stand for. So it's just very crucial that we learn how to walk that and that we have the information and the attitude that is going to allow us to walk it. So what was the nature of their struggle? It says, we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure and we thought we would never live through it. Now that's that uh, just sounds strong enough by itself, doesn't it? But when you go back to the original language on this, and then I've gone through the different commentaries who have looked at different ways of saying that very thing. It's very interesting what Paul was saying in this statement. Remember, the English translation kind of dumbs things down quite a bit. The English language is not a very expansive language compared certainly to the Greek and to the Hebrew. So there has to be a, a compressing of what is being said. It basically is saying he thought they would never live through it. They would fall apart. And one translation and one uh, way of looking at it is they would lose one's mental and emotional composure. They thought they were going to die. And it wasn't... The tense on this and the meaning on this is Paul was not saying that they, the law had come and got them and was going to uh, sentence them to death. That's not the death he's talking about. That's not the sentence he was talking about. What that actual scripture is talking about is that in his mind, it's in his mind he felt this. No one was saying you're going to die, but Paul was very cagey. He didn't tell us what the actual problem was in Asia. We don't know. But what the... The breakdown on the language tells us that it was something in his mind that was telling him he was going to die, and it was to the point that he was actually seriously thinking about it. Now, I don't know where you've been this week. I know where I've been this week, and I know where other people have been. And sometimes life can get to a place where you feel like you just can't take it anymore. Mentally, you can't take it anymore. He just didn't feel he could endure the situation. And we go there. Some of you have been there many times. Some may are going to be there. What you need to know is that Paul was there too. That you're not having some weird, demented Christian experience. That you're not doing something wrong that there isn't something that you're particularly missing and that's why this is happening to you. That is the lie of the enemy. Amen. We are destined to difficult times and I pray that none, no one here has the kind of times that would make you go to that, but some of us have. 
Some of us have been in hospital beds where you didn't know if you're going to come out. But in some cases, that would be a reward. If we're a true Christian, I think at that point, there is a reward sense that comes in and goes, you mean I'm out of here? I'm on the A train and I'm going home. The Apostle Paul said it. He said, where's it better for me to live? Here or eternity? Hands down, eternity. He said, listen, if I could go, I'd go. But what was God saying? No, you have to stay here for a while. And you and I have to stay here for a while. So what were the lessons that Paul wanted to share about this experience? The first one, he says, but as a result, we stop relying on ourselves and learn to rely only on God who raises the dead. That raises the dead. Now, Jesus had already been raised from the dead. And, you know, other people had been raised from the dead. But Paul is saying this in a forward motion. God can raise you from the dead. That's why he's saying that. He raised him from the dead in Asia. Whatever it was, that death state that he was in, God came and raised him out of it. So that he's now at Corinth going, whoo! But I think you need to know how bad it was, folks. I think you need to know, church, this is what I went through, and I want you to know it because you might go through it too. But he said, here's a lesson that God raises from the dead. Relying on ourselves instead of God is a very, like it's what we always do. Learning to rely on God is a learned thing. It does not come naturally. It really doesn't. God has to put us through circumstances that are going, that will teach us how to walk with him and trust him and to believe that you're going to come through these difficult situations. We will not learn that by reading about it in a book, even reading about it in scripture. It's there, but I guarantee you we can look at him. We can say, oh, well, God raises the dead. Well, that's pretty good. And then all of a sudden you have a situation, and what happens? You have to learn how to believe that. You have to learn how to appropriate that in your life. You have to learn how to pray like Mary was saying, to pray like Jesus does in that situation. Jesus was there. Jesus was there on the cross. Jesus said, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? He had spent all eternity and all time in complete, absolute, complete cosmic union with God. And all of a sudden, here he was, completely separated. It was the separation that you and I deserve that Jesus suffered for us on the cross so that you will never experience that. Now, you will have little indications of it, won't you? You'll go through difficult times, a struggle, and all of a sudden you feel, where's God? Where's God? You know that panic that comes in you? Yeah, I don't know. Some of you have had it. I've had it. I mean stricken panic. You can't feel God. You think he's gone. You've done something wrong. He's left you. That panic, imagine living with that for eternity. Eternity. Because that is exactly what happens to people who do not know Jesus and go to hell. And I don't know, if that doesn't provoke you to go and tell somebody about Jesus, I don't know what will. But when you are tasting a little bit of that, oh, where is he? Jesus felt it in the absolute complete. But yet he didn't say, where are you, God? He didn't say that. He said, Father, my Father. He recognized God, his Father, even in the darkest, most dire, most painful, most, most punishing 
that a human being could ever experience. In the middle of it, he said, Father. And he didn't know where the Father went, or he would not have said that. We don't know. We'll know in eternity whether or not Jesus was aware that he was going to suffer to that degree. Who We don't know. But what we do know is that on that cross, he endured something so punishing that it felt like he was utterly abandoned and alone. But even in the middle of it, he spit out through the blood, Father. This is powerful. And that is what raises us from the dead. That in the middle of it, we go, Father. And you recognize God. And think of what Paul was experiencing. So here he is. He's still got, he's got his missionary career, which is in full blossom. This is only halfway through Paul's letters. This is only halfway through his, his missionary uh, lifetime that this happened. So he was in pumping on all eight cylinders, and all of a sudden, he thinks he's going to die right in the middle of it? Or the problems at Corinth had not been solved. He was still coming back to put Corinth back together and talk to them about situations. The collection that he was taking up for Jerusalem, which is why he was in Asia, he still had that money. He's saying, well, what? I'm, this isn't going to get done? Like, is, is this it? Is it over? Lord, this doesn't make sense. You can picture what Paul was thinking. It's not just that he felt he was going to die. That's bad enough. But all this stuff was left undone. All of his missionary promises, all that God had said that he was going to do, just seemed to be dying right there with him. The man was in absolute, utter panic. Can you imagine? And you know what it's like when situations come and tell you that, you know what? You thought you were going to do this, but you're not. You thought God was going to do this, but he's not. No, this is it. It's over, finished. It's the vo- vocabulary of the devil. I mean, it's, there's nothing new under the sun, right? He's going to use the same tricks there and here. The same tricks, the same vocabulary. Just imagine what Paul was panicking and feeling like. The second lesson in verse 10, and he did rescue us from mortal danger and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. The only way to learn that kind of confidence that Paul's talking about is going through it. Obviously, when he was in it, he didn't have that. Because he said, we feared that we're going to die. He did not think God was going to raise him. He did not think God was going to deliver him. He didn't think it was going to get better. He was absolutely stricken by the situation. But yet he said, when he's saying to them now, after the fact, we have learned something today. He's saying to the church, we were in the worst possible situation you could ever imagine. And God did deliver us. And that tells me if God can deliver me from that, he can deliver me from absolutely anything. Absolutely anything. This is a powerful thing. But it's learned. And look at the way he had to learn it. What are you and I going through that we're learning? It's not punishment. It's not some kind of mistake in action. It's not the devil having dominion over your life and you're just lost to it. It's God allowing us to learn something and to be able to come through it with a lesson. 
and something that's understood. Why do we need to learn it? Because difficulties are going to come, and Paul was telling them that he didn't want them to derail their faith. Listen, until the day we die, something is going to try to derail our faith. And there's nothing that's going to do it any quicker than persecution, which we haven't really experienced to the totality. That's hopefully, frankly, that's somebody else's job, (laughs) honestly. But illness and mental health issues and financial issues and relational issues and psychological issues, absolutely, they're going to come and try to derail our faith. Verse 3 and 4 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. There it is. There's Paul's great summation. So that what you are receiving and what God is doing for you, you will be able to come along and put your arm around somebody and say, listen, this is what God did for me. And I'm a thinking that it's probably what he'll do for you. That's what Paul was saying. This is a powerful, powerful thing about the body, the need for the body. There is no way that you or I will survive the Christian walk walking without the body. At very best, you will be dragged into the eternity by the scruff of your neck. You will have nothing to show for it. You will not have lived a life of victory. You will not have had the great opportunities and learnings and and things that God wants to do. Oh, yeah, you're saved. But what a life wasted for what potentially could have been. But it's when someone comes along, when you're down there on the ground and says, well, I've been down there, and I'm going to show you how to get up. I'm not going to convict you or condemn you for being down there. I'm just going to show you how to get up, and I'm going to help you up. And that is what the body does if we're a good body. As you know, it's a saying that the church shoots its wounded, um, and you know what that's talking about. Very often, we will look at somebody who's having a problem, and if we're immature and if we're insecure, we will look at them and think that they've done something wrong. That somehow God is punishing them for their sins. And that is what keeps people in India sleeping on sidewalks and not being able to live. Because Hinduism says that when you are suffering, you are just paying for your past sins. And you are perfecting your karma. And this is the way you have to pay for your sins. And if you interfere with that process, you're actually ruining that person's ability to be complete. If that isn't a demonic belief, a lie from the pit of hell. God says exactly the opposite. He says we are supposed to go and we're supposed to help, pick up, encourage, strengthen. Does say be careful. Does say that. Listen, if somebody's a drunk and you have a, a booze problem in your life, don't go be, don't be doing that, right? You've got to know where. You've got to use discernment. But nonetheless, it is the body that heals the body. Remember, you are Christ. Christ isn't out there somewhere. He's in you. So if God, if Christ wants to do something in this church, he's going to do it through you. You are the body of Christ. If he has a word to speak, he's going to speak it through you. If he's going to heal somebody, he's going to heal it through you. If he's going to cause some miracle, he's going to do it through you. 
we're waiting for some invisible God to walk through the door and walk up and around the chairs. Well, unfortunately, he's sitting in the chairs. He's you. So he wants you to get up and walk around when we can. Thank you, Jesus. Um, But in the sense to get up and to do that ministry and to touch that shoulder and to speak that word, and that is the body of Christ. Third lesson, final thing. And you are helping us by praying for us. Then many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. People praying helped him survive that situation. That's what he's saying there. Now, that's a powerful thing. You are not a lone soldier. And Paul is emphatically telling us that your prayers for somebody else make a huge difference. It's actually part of God's deliverance. He's telling us that his survival encouraged the saints who were praying. So you can see the equation here, and then it goes on, and this would encourage people to what? Pray even more. And then when you see the miracle come about, what happens? You praise God. It's this beautiful economy of God. We pray, we believe, we help. The prayers get answered. We thank God, and our faith rises. And guess what? Greater things, greater... It's this wonderful thing, but it starts with us agreeing to pray. That's what we have to do. Don't think that your little prayer, even if it's just saying, because uh, Roseanne said she had a rough week. So it's, it, it could be simple saying, Father, I just, you know, Roseanne, just touch her, Lord. Just help her. That's a prayer. That is a powerful prayer. You don't have to get down and, and quote 75 scriptures. If you want to, well, that could help, I guess, if it increases your faith. But what God is just saying is remember in prayer. He says it in uh, Thessalonians. He said, I was reading it this morning. He said, I remember you in prayer. He didn't say I did a lecture on you. I just remembered you in prayer. So when someone comes to your mind, just say a little prayer. Oh, that can't do too much. Oh, apparently it can. Because it, it brought Paul through a situation that he thought he was going to die. So what's the summation of what God is saying today? 2 Corinthians 10. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. That's what God is saying. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you will go through. But Paul is telling us today, and the Spirit is telling us, whatever it is, we have good reason to hope. We have good reason to believe that God is going to do something to bring us through that situation. Which is good news. It's good news for us. So, Father, we thank you for what you're saying to us today. We thank you for the reality of the fact that you are here and that you are speaking. And, Father, if there's anybody here today who is going through a struggle and through a trial that they just don't know what the answer can be. They have run out of solutions themselves. They have hit the wall. They don't know what to do. Just want you to stand today. And also anyone you know, you want to stand in proxy for them. Just If you just are in a situation where it is beyond your ability to change this thing, and if God doesn't do a miracle, something 
rough is going to happen. Father, as we stand here today, we stand believing, we stand acknowledging who you are. We stand agreeing, Father God, that it is your good will, Father God, to prosper us. And that, that means to allow us to live, Father God, the way you want us to live and to have a hope and a future. Father, we agree that you are bigger than this situation. You are bigger than the lies that are coming to our head. You're bigger than all the threats. You are going to make a way, Father. It says you will make a way through the desert and the wilderness. You will put streams in the desert, Father God. Lord, I pronounce this as a blessing and a proclamation and a promise over us today. Father, as we stand, we will see the deliverance of our God. We will see that person changed. We will see that situation changed. We will see that problem solved. Father, you are the one who can do what nobody else can do. And there's nothing, Father, that you cannot do. So, Father God, it is your will, and I really believe this. I believe God is saying that you standing today is an actual prophetic proclamation over the situation. And that something is going to change in those situations. So, Father, give us the strength to walk in faith. Give us the words, the specific scriptures that you want us to have. Whatever it is, Father, you just give it to us. And we're going to walk into victory and away from defeat, Father God. And thy good and perfect will be done, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Anyone has uh, any sense of anything? Tony, are you okay? Is, if you got something. If you don't, it's okay. I just thought you might. And uh, I just saw something buzzing around your head there. Fear not, little flock. I am with you. You are a pilgrim in a strange land. That which comes against you is but a short time. I am your hope. I am leading you on. Remember the new Jerusalem. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Your greatest hope is yet ahead. I will be with you. I will walk with you. Until you reach that place that I have prepared for you. It is a short walk. It is a walk filled with danger and trials and tribulation. But I am with you. I died that you might have life and that you might have it abundant. Mm. And the future, my children, the future, I have gone to prepare that place for you. And I await your coming home. Put your hand in my hand. Fear not, little flock, for I am with you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. There is no life more abundant than knowing that God is with you. There is nothing that will rival it. When you have that confirmation in your spirit, when you have that knowing in your, like Willie says, uh, in your knower, when you have that, I'm telling you, there is nothing like it. Everything melts. 
If you don't have that, everything is horrible because you're doubting, suspicious, scared, and without faith. And that is a horrible way to live life. And it's not the way God wants you to live your life, as he's saying today through Tony and through other people. Amen. So it's, it, it's a learned thing. God's at work. We won't go on about it, but thank you, Tony, for being obedient to that. Amen. God's really speaking. It's beautiful. 